everybody. It's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny. Yeah, welcome along. Uh, it is the seventh season, episode 23 of LOI Central with Dan McDonald and Johnny Ward talking to you here. And uh, yeah, we've a slightly different show tonight. We're going to react right now to Shamrock Rovers' exit from uh, the Champions League and uh, their... I guess their move into uh, the Conference League, but with a long, long road ahead of them to make progress in Europe uh, this season. And uh, we'll also have Chris Forrester on the show later on. So earlier on today, Dan and I were in Inchicore and we had a little chat with Chris um, just about St. Pat's in Europe and also about his career so far. So uh, it's a little bit of an interesting show. We, we're, this, we're just actually reacting uh, from the Rovers' defeat in Iceland initially, but uh, later on in the show, we're going to go through other matters in the league. And uh, I guess principally, um, we do have the FA Cup coming up the weekend, but principally uh, the Europa Co- Conference League games that Derry City, uh, Shamrock, Derry City rather, uh, are competing in. And we also have... Uh, Dundalk and as well as St. Patrick's Athletic. So before all of that, we are in association with Collar and Cuff. Um, Decky will give you a free shirt and tie with your suit and sponsors the mailbag in association with Rascals Brewery in Inchcore. A very enjoyable visit for me there last week to watch Pats in Europe and uh, we'll be giving away a prize for uh, a Rascals tour later on and of course future ticketing um, future ticketing our longtime sponsors. So just just before we get to uh, the football matters, um, the, the death of uh, Kieran Keating last weekend, obviously, um, that of Rory Keating, I would have interviewed Rory a few times and he was at Galway United. He's obviously gone on to Cork City since. Really, really nice lad to deal with and absolutely devastating. Um, Kieran, he was in his 50s, lived in Westport and Rory, I know his family, really, really proud of what Rory's achieved and all this happened after the Cork City um, Sligo Rovers game at the weekend. So, um, it's a horrible place to start the podcast, Dan, but um, I, I think this really did shake the League of Ireland. Yeah, no, it did. Um, we can only pass on our sympathies. And as you say, I suppose he was, you know, he was traveling to the to the game um, when it happened, and you know, where he obviously had to be withdrawn at half time. And I think it strikes a chord because probably every player in the league, um, I suppose, you know, you talk to any footballer, or any sports person, like their their family story is often, you know, their parents bringing them to training, you know, the parents driving them. Um, somewhere, you know, or picking them up from somewhere, or collecting them, and you know, it's, it's very hard to, you know, make a career um, at any level without some kind of sacrifice from people around you in your life, in, in some shape or form, to make it happen. Um, and it was clear just from, uh, you know, the reaction to his passing. You know, you, you sort of heard about anecdotal tales of people who'd spoken to, you know, a proud, a proud dad. Um, you know, where he's probably having maybe the best season of his life, you could argue, and and um, you know, the 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 family and all the people around sharing that, and that's it, that's it. I mean, I, I sometimes it can be so trite to talk about putting things in perspective, and it, it just sounds like we're we're playing the greatest hits of of um of, of the things you say uh, at this times, but it it really is jarring and shocking, and there's not much more we can say other than that. Um, but it's obviously very much in our thoughts, um, you know, as we start the show. And we'll obviously go on and talk about football and we'll talk about matters with great, you know, in a way of, of great seriousness, you know. And we'll we'll debate things and debate opinions and there'll be, you know, strong emotions attached to them, I suppose. Um, 
but ultimately like you know sport is like the wallpaper to our lives in a lot of respects and and you know the important stuff is is the people around you and, and the people you share these moments with so um yeah can only echo your sentiments yeah, and uh, Liam Buckley and all those involved at Cork City, um, I think he's in very good hands to look after him. And um, without sort of getting into too much at this stage, uh, Chris Forrester touches on the trivial nature of football later on in the uh, show and the fact that, you know, there's a lot more to life. And we really um, are thinking of you, Rory, at this time. And uh, we haven't forgotten you as well as your your time in Go United. And uh, I had a great time for you when you were there. Um so the football, uh, we're recording this half 10 or so on um, Tuesday night, fresh from Shamrock Rovers. Um, the headline in RT is that they limped out of the Champions League. And I think that's probably fair enough. Actually, a little bit flattering. It's interesting, Dan. I've gotten a fair few texts in from not, not Shamrock Rovers fans, but um, a lot of criticism of Shamrock Rovers um, from sort of other uh, you know fans around the league. Not, not gloating or anything like that, just I think a sense of disappointment. And... Um, I, I I have to say I I just found this the, the two ties so utterly un, underwhelming. I I did the report for RT last week. It was very critical of Shamrock Rovers and Tala, and just the thing tonight, Dan. They they arrived in that game obviously needing to um win the game by a goal to force extra time or winning by two to get into the next round. But just they they again were pretty much forced without a team totally, totally devoid of pace. And against an Icelandic team, they really should be beating deservedly, deservedly knocked out. The only goal they've scored in the last four games was from a VAR-given penalty. And um, I, I just think this was very, very deflating night for, for obviously, for Irish football. Shamrock Rovers, I think, will 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 just look back on this and think, you know, we, sh- we really should be better than this, notwithstanding the players that we're, we've out at the moment. Yeah. Look, it's, it's always funny commenting on a game straight after it. Um you know, it's it. There's there's always sort of an extreme of emotions that that comes with it, and you know, sometimes you 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 feel something. One, you know, I you know in the immediate aftermath, and then you might sleep in it and, and look at the perspective differently, and and um, you know, you try and be very fair from all angles. Um, but in saying that, I'm also conscious sometimes in the League of Ireland that because it's you know very. We, we speak about it, like we probably benefit from it on this podcast. You know, it's quite an intimate league. You know, you get to know people involved um, and you want to demand the highest standards of it. And, but then sometimes there's a danger of like kid love treatment around um, performances within it. Um, and also, you know, you know I, I can look at things both ways around this that, you know, you can, you know, what do we expect of our clubs in Europe and, and, um, how realistic is it at times when we're, we're talking in recent weeks and months about, you know, the chronic underinvestment and, um, you know, a lot of issues that we have and, and we, we touch on them. And I know later in the show, we, we sort of recorded our mailbag earlier in the day um, and, and we have a few comments related to player drains and, and, and that is relevant. But I suppose you just have to step back from all of that and, and look at our teams in Europe every year, as I do, and say when they lose... Have they lost to a team where you think, well, listen, we have no right to be competing with them. You know, our team has no right to be competing with them. And if they don't, you know, that that will happen. The Irish teams will invariably lose to teams they just can't compete with, you know, Farange, Faros, teams like that. Um, but I think with Shamrock Rovers, there is no doubt that, you know, this could be a four-in-a-row winning team uh, this year. That's historic. But I do think, you know, they're European the, the collective European body of work they've done is definitely it's going to leave a little bit of an asterisk on their legacy um, 
And, and I think you can't avoid that. I mean, we touched on that last year after the, the first leg, I think, was it Luda Goretz, about their age profile. And then probably people came back at us afterwards when they responded. Um, but I still think a lot of those points hold true. I mean, I was looking tonight at the team they started with. Um, the, the youngest outfield player on the pitch was Marcus Poom. He was also the only new signing. Um, you know, 24, Marcus Poom. Most of the players, the average age is 29.2. Um, pretty much, you know, at a point in the second half when he was taken off, like every player on the pitch was was also at the club last year. And there was a lot of talk over the winter about, you know, learning the lessons, improving, recruiting, you know, getting things right in certain ends of the pitch. You know, they brought in Johnny Kenny, clearly don't seem to trust him yet in these ties. Liam Burt, you know, sort of been 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 missing. Some of the other players they've brought in, again, that they, they haven't put them on the pitch. So clearly they don't don't believe they're ready. And yet if we want our teams, I always make this point, like, you know, for our teams to press on in Europe, you need to have um players at that age group where they're really pushing on in in their career. And I think under Stephen Bradley at Rovers, their best European result is was against Brann in 2019. Um, since they've become champions, um, they haven't beaten a, a, a good team in a two-legged European tie. Um, and I think you can, you can on one hand, you can say, well, what's this say about the standard of the league? And that's what happens with every you know bad League of Ireland result in Europe. It becomes that. But also, I think you have to have higher standards of teams and say that they haven't performed well enough or found the tactical way to win those games and you know every great league side in recent memory you know Dundalk and, and Shells and these teams they have a two-legged scalp on their on their CV and, and Rovers since they've become champions I mean Toyota from Albania Scoopy last year um, you know, they were okay maybe um, you know Hibernians from Malta in pre-season um, and 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 that's and that's it. You know they beat the Finnish team in a one-legged tie in 2020 on penalties. Um, so they're not improving. They're not getting better. Um, you could argue they have too many players at the wrong end of their career. And let's be honest. Um, if like their results in the league this season, they should be six seven points behind the league. The lead. You know if yeah. they had a real outstanding rival, they would not be top. Um, and they're getting away with it because I, I do listen, I do agree that the and then Steve McDonald spoke a little bit about this. I, I mean, people have reacted, have overreacted to the general results last week. Um, I, I do have that opinion. I'll wait till the second leg. And I think you know, Rovers will go into the conference league now and they could do okay. Um, within that, although their chances of making groups are very remote now, you would say. Um, but you know, there's no doubt that that. Their, their form hasn't been good enough for champions. And they're just lucky that there's a bit of a much of a muchness behind them. I don't think you can get away from that. And that's been exposed in Europe. I mean, again, like in recent years, 2021, Flora Talon, 2023, Breidablik, much better than them over two legs. And they are t- on the rankings. And they're weaker leagues. Um, I know investment-wise, they've got more. Um, but Rovers, you know, they're not, they haven't assembled that squad cheaply, but they've gone maybe for a lot of players who get the job done at home and um, who rivals here would love to have, but they're maybe not the profile to bring it to that next level in Europe. Yeah, just a couple of things. I mean, they played uh, 15 players tonight. None of them came through the academy. Like all of them was um, 
all of them signed um, at some point or another. Some obviously came back, like Graham Burke or whatever, but none came through the academy. So you contrast that with Pats, who admittedly weren't great last week, but they're giving a lot of these young players that have come through the academy this experience, this fresh blood. And the, there was a systematic failure, I think, Dan, as well. And like Shamrock Rovers are very wedded to three at the back system. But if you play three at the back, as they did last week, and you play a reasonably high-pressing team playing three up top, and your two wing-backs are just not, they've no pace at all. Sean Cavan and, and Ronan Finn at this stage there. So the, Shamrock Rovers, the two teams they played this week and, and last week, desperately, desperately devoid of pace. And then, again, their two full-backs are starting full-backs are injured. That's fine. Leon Poles, to me, is a goalkeeper that was a good backup, but they've been reliant on him now. I think he was poor for the goal last week, which obviously changed the tie. They didn't find a replacement goalkeeper for Manus, who's been injured for a long time. Um, You know, I don't think Poles is great for the second goal tonight, but in general, he didn't have a bad game, but they probably have to be better than that. But I, I would just feel if you look at, say, like Pats will change at times three at the back, four at the back, other clubs will do the same. The three at the back system, I thought they were desperately open in in sort of transition in the first half tonight when they should have been behind before they conceded the goal. And then they, they huffed and puffed and they, they didn't, um you know, they didn't give up, which you would say, but... This was this was very very poor. I thought I, I was desperately disappointed in them last week, and this was sort of a continuation of it. Um, and the only one, the only thing is, in terms of the League of Ireland and its competitiveness, maybe the other clubs don't want Rovers getting massive riches in Europe, and that's that's one way of looking at it. And maybe it'll bring them a little bit back down. But I think that they 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 will look back on this and say we didn't recruit well enough, and we might have had luck with some bad luck with injuries. But you cannot go into a game at this level and have such a lack of pace and be so reliant on old ideas from old men really at this stage who were just really tired Ronan Finn came off the pitch absolutely legless um, I don't think Gary O'Neill I mean he, he wasn't good in, in the two legs overall he's coming back from injury as well so again the, there are some extenuated circumstances Jack Byrne was out but you just got to be better than that um, and I, I have to say I was very very disappointed in him Yeah look there, there's a perfect storm element to it there is no avoid, avoiding that I mean you know in a system that needs wing backs to have both Clark and Ferruja out I think you know, Frazier, yeah, and that's the problem. Yeah, I mean Jack Byrne, again, like you again in April time, you know Jack Byrne was flying before the MLS move. Ferruja was flying, you know, to me probably maybe the two most important players in their team. You could argue, um, and you know both Mellon Manus as well Man- up there. Manus, yeah, Manus probably up there. So there is no doubt, like that's there's a freakish element. But to be fair, you know, Bright Blick, I think lost their 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 main striker and. Again, like you know, Rovers are you know they're they they're paying decent money to their backup options, you know, and and um a lot of discussion about the squad depth is it was based about being equipped for Europe this year, and, and when it came to the crunch uh, and the tie that really matters, you know they weren't. Um, and and look, I'm very as I said, I'm conscious of the knee jerk element, and I think you know a lot of you know Stephen Bradley will get a lot of criticism. They think he has to take it naturally for this. You know, you can't underestimate his overall body of work at Rovers to take a club that was dysfunctional in terms of, you know, getting stuff done, you know, and, and to turn them into a team that is like winning leagues relentlessly is, is still, even if you have the strongest squad, it's still not an easy thing to do, you know, and, and you can't just like devalue all of that work. And I think some of the responses will go too far to that. But, you know, you 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 probably have to do evolve and, um. I, I don't know. I just feel like they're caught in this unusual place, Shamrock Rovers, where like they are, you know, our top club in the country. You know, they're you know, I suppose Shane Robinson is departed in the last week and and to go to the FAI and and people probably now a lot of people when they talk about Rovers will will talk about the Academy and their younger teams. 
Um, but they just ended up in this strange place where they're reliant on these older players. Um, and yes, players have come through and left. Um, you know, and, and there is that broader issue with the league. You know, Andy Lyons comes in, but he's gone. Liam Scales comes in and he's gone. Um, I think a lot of the players who've gone to League One, uh, probably, you know, probably repeating myself here to a degree, you know, previously might have gone to Rovers. Um, I think I make that point in our in our delayed mailbag. Um, but like these are all points you can make. You know, I, I certainly know that they've tried to sign players um who who would be who would be in that profile and they haven't, you know, they haven't gone there for whatever reason. You know, Colin Whelan, people like that, you know, uh, Dara Burns, like they they've probably gone for the type of player that would improve them, but they've just ended up in this situation where yeah, they just they just they just don't like some very good 90 minute displays in Europe, but you just need like there comes a point where you just have to demand higher standards and and think that you have to be better and and um they're not they they just haven't they haven't reached that point. I think I I just have this thing that like a couple of years ago they played Flora Talon, they were completely opened up. Um and probably last year in Europe they they started playing with uh with McCann and Gary O'Neill in the, in the European ties. But I said it's a bit like watching Ireland at times recently. You know you see you've got a back three. And you've got two midfielders often sat on top of them. Um, no pace in the wing-back areas. Like, you're starting off with seven players in your own half, effectively. And you need to be exceptional at the top end of the pitch to 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 really get away from that. And, I mean, in the first leg, which was really the losing of the tie in many respects, um, you have that situation. You've got then Jack Byrne coming back on top and, and Dylan Watson you're just looking at this going, you know, at this stage of the evolution, you know, you, you need to have a little bit more about you. And um, they don't. And I know Stewie Byrne got grief for talking about they're not being challenged at home. I think that point is, you know, is is probably, there's a, I, I think there's a valid point behind that, but it's, it's you know, there's, the, clearly they're dropping a lot of points. So they are being challenged at home. But I think it's more the point we've talked about that, they don't have a rival to really push them and and I suppose it can breed a false sense of security around where you're at and uh, Europe is is always a way that things are are, it finds you out I suppose I I actually um, yeah I don't buy that at all because essentially and I know you're kind of repeating it but like Rovers I give out about Rovers in the group stages last season. They picked up a couple of points. I didn't think it was good enough from them. They knew what they had to improve on this season, yet they still ended up. It's nothing to do with what's going on in the league because they haven't been good in the league this season. And I know you say, um, like, they've gotten away with it in terms of their points tally because of Derry's injuries and so on, as far as I'm concerned. They've gotten to a stage in Europe where they've approached their two big games, their two only games, with no pace on the pitch whatsoever. So something has gone wrong that has literally nothing to do with the fact that their so-called challengers haven't challenged them in Europe. And this is a system systematic failure in that, you know, the, the decisions that were made in terms of team selection did not work out and the, either the players weren't there or they picked the wrong team. So it, to me, it has nothing to do with that. They knew exactly, they knew, like Stephen Bradley said this, they didn't perform as well as they could have last year in Europe. They prioritised the league. They got the money in the bank to progress. They just didn't do it. And and fair enough, they might win their next three games. I, I It's highly unlikely. Yeah, see, but just Johnny, Stephen Bradley did say recently that actually they weren't that far off in the group stages at all. I think he's had, he's had different things to say about that. Mm. Campaign and like we have to think about it again. My point is about what's good enough at home and what isn't. I think of last year, right? Shamrock Rovers played Dundalk in August, September time when it looked like Dundalk were title challengers, and they actually they didn't have the ball for a lot of the game. They actually uh, they let Dundalk have the ball when the dog had that high line, 
and it was like Gaffney and Aaron Green that were yeah. killing them dock in behind. You know, but then they went to Europe with Gaffney and Green. They couldn't hurt anyone in behind. You know, and they're like, you know, they were both on the pitch tonight at a crucial point. I mean, Gaffney still, I still think they actually did pretty well. But he's 33. Aaron Green is in his 30, you know. And like I keep making this point. Every good League of Ireland side in Europe, you know, that really does things, like has players who are on the way out. Now, I think Ferruja was that player. He just can't keep fit, right? I think Ferruja with an injury-free run, would go on to do good things in his career. And it's I feel really like the last few minutes of that game against Derry has killed him. Like Byrne and Ferruja both picking up those injuries <clears> innocuously <throat> and it's killed them. But um you know the the point the point to me would be like you go back in time like 2016 and the it was Daryl Horgan and and you go back in time to Keith Fahey for Pats and that Shells team in 04 okay you had senior players and a lot of players being around the block in the league, but you had Wes Houlihan too, you know, and you have that little X factor there that that propels our sides, you know, the, the Cork team, even, okay, intertotal stuff, but you're like you had Kevin Doyle, you had you had players, you know, on the way up and, and you're looking at that Rover side tonight and it's just, it's just too many players in the same profile and they're probably savvy enough to withstand it in the league and maybe later in the year we're going to be hailing them. Um, but in terms of that next step, it's it's as I said, it's 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 frustrating, you know. Like there's definitely um, you know, the, I I but but in saying that, like you like I do, I just don't think they've underperformed at times too. Like you see them at times, you think that they can be better. Um, but they they maybe you you've a point about their versatility and you know their the rigidness of the game plan maybe, um, that they haven't adapted maybe to certain tests that at certain times, like people say, you know, back three. You know, is a you know the back three system like you know can be actually regarded as quite a defensive one, um and and yet the amount of times they got get caught down the sides like very easily, in 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 Europe is is pretty damning and and look you know there's maybe you, you always play this comparison game and maybe it's daft but there's definitely um champions of recent memory who would have liked the backdoor opportunities that are available um to this Rovers group now but um. Look, you know, we, we have three other games on Thursday. And as I said, like, you know, the 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 results last week, I think there was a slight sort of overreaction in the sense of the the away leg performances. And and I, I still have a feeling like the, the home legs this time around could go better um, for all of those clubs. But uh, the Rovers one was the worrying one. You know, that was the one that would, would lead you to worry the most that, you know, this is your flag bearer. You know, we were both there. You know, seven and a half thousand people in a modern stadium, great pitch. You know, everything set up for you, and you're playing against the team that the, some of the players are part time. Um, and you're thinking, yeah, like there's there's a lot. We're doing a lot of things well, um, but in other ways, there's there's a long way to go. Yeah, I. We'll uh, hear now from. Uh, we we'll get to the mailbag. We spend some. Yeah, let's get some, to the mailbag. Yeah, yeah, just get, before we go, I just got to mention Breidablick, just like a team, to be fair to them, um, whatever you say about Rovers, Breidablick, for, um, you know, all the Icelanders generally playing out of the country, I thought they were very good in terms of the, the population, that they were limited enough, but they, they were they were very well coached. Um, Icelandic football is obviously maximising its potential, and um, yeah, we have a long, long way to go. Yeah, and, yeah. And you say they're limited enough, I know you have this point, but the, I'm sorry, that there's a couple of times they put passages together, you know, little one twos and little touches in mm. both games. That the, the Roberts did a little spell after half time and tiny spells later on. But actually, like technically, um, you know, technically they were 
they were they were better in certain departments. So um, you know, I, I like that that's the thing, you know, like Rovers had to work very hard for their chances and they obviously went more direct in the second leg. You know, as a contrast, maybe to the first one, but 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 ultimately, you know, and you see Graham Burke unbelievably frustrated when he was taken off. Mm. He got involved in a couple of moments, but again, like just the balance of the Rovers squad, like they, they almost have to make that change, but they don't have just just they're, they're actually missing, like they're actually as much as they're missing, you know, a peak Jack Byrne, they're actually missing Aaron McInef as well too. You know, when you think back to Rovers and in that that Rovers team in 2019, 2020, um. You know, they had Byrne and McAniff who were flying at that stage. And I, I don't think they've, I actually really don't think they've been as good since. Um, and I think that that's actually, um, that's actually, you know, a big factor. They were a proper team at that point improving and they've been, they've been decent since, but they, they missed those type of midfield players in, in their pomp and, and that's an issue. But anyway, listen, we'll, we're going to go back a little bit in time um, to, to earlier today because we did get a, uh, we had a packed mailbag to be with a lot of other uh, other topics and then uh, yeah we had a chat with Chris Forrester too so um, and it's like Quantum Leap or something here uh, um, one of my favourite shows just uh, let's just like whatever whatever they used to do to a signal to move to a different point uh, let, let's do that It's time for the all-new Silk Hand Stitch Collar and Cuff Mailbag. Let's dive into those stylish electric telegrams while we're still young. Yeah, so we've gone back in time to, to take in our this week's mailbag thoughts outside uh, Richmond Park and Inchicore. Actually, if you had the option, would you go back in time or forward in time, back to the future? I'd probably go back in time. Yeah, so would I. Do, do things differently. But not, but not the important things in life. But sometimes I think if you go back in time, you're probably insulting your nearest and dearest. Probably just individual things you'd like to do better. I'm do you, not do sure you, we're going to go into that in any great detail. Do you remember when, like, you were a nipper and you you were kind of you, you rated yourself as a footballer? Do you think you could have had a better career, or do you think that uh, you just weren't good enough? Well, obviously. Well, I mean, I actually think about it. I mean, in the context of. Um, uh, not in the context of me, but just in the context of like football in the country generally. When I think about it, like I would have played football when I was younger, and I was like I was okay, but I don't think I ever got proper football coaching with a football coach, um, ever really. Like there was more volunteers who ran teams, and you'd like you do training on a Tuesday and Thursday, and it was like parents or concerned people. But I did a couple of summer camps and stuff where you got a bit of coaching, but not really that. So. I'm not really talking about my own career, but I think you think of the amount of people you know in your life who are good footballers who would have been a coach and could have gone in a different direction. I'm not sure if that's going to be in us. Um, yeah, I, I, I have a lot of regrets as well. What I'm <laughs> in the mail, Let's just move on to regrets. <laughs> we'll be here for a long time. I do find since you turn 40, though, you get way more conscious of like that. I mean, it's just a, it's a bad age trip. But I mean, people don't want to listen to 40-year-olds moan about that. There's obviously a lot of people listening to this who, who aren't 40 yet. Um, and and life is is good uh, before mailbag. John O'Connor. Well, speaking of uh, regrets and opportunities, um, with so many of our best young established players packing their bags for League One third tier football in the UK, what long term do we need to do that higher ranked clubs want our players? Fees will never rise if mostly go to this level. And on this, 
Niall Doherty the same theme will Brexit have a negative impact upon the quality of our teams good not great LOI players moving to League 1 because they have restricted access to European players that's because of the entry requirements to the UK I suggest this could have implications particularly in hopes of progressing in Europe now I do think this is a valid point I mean I suppose Jack Moylan to Lincoln is the, the latest League 1 transfer that effectively I think is going to happen I'm just not 100% sure of the timeline of when it happens um, and it is true like you probably are looking at um, a combination of the Brexit thing and probably a little bit more respect for the Irish market as well at that level um, and it does mean that probably Irish players in their early 20s who previously would have gravitated to, to say Rovers or, or Derry or the top two teams of that era Dundalk and Cork or you know, pick your time in history are now bypassing that move and going straight to the UK I and mean, we've seen that happen with it with a uh, with sort of uh with with sort of UCD players even too like the someone like Dylan Duffy like previously would have definitely have gone to a sort of a higher up League of Ireland club so yeah I I I, I think you know to go back to the point of fees I think the problem is the level that you're going to like a League One club if you look at the game in England financially it's such a basket case the clubs at that level well, you'll have the odd legacy club there paying big wages like Sheffield Wednesday last year and a couple of others. You know, others don't really pay transfer fees, um, you know, and not in great, great volumes. And, and clearly you feel if your players were going to a higher level, maybe the fees would be bigger. Like I think James McManus of Bowes does seem like he's going to go to a club in the championship. I think the fee will be bigger than, um, you know, uh, than maybe some of the recent ones with Devoy and 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 so on. We'll say with the with the agents case and the whole Tubbsgate thing. Like, how much do agents have a stranglehold on this whole situation in terms of what the League of Ireland club can bargain for going forward? Um, I I think they definitely look the culture of clauses and certain transfers that have happened in the past were agent driven. But I think you know something like the did you see the Jack Moylan case for example the the the, the club he's going to, like like. Okay, you, you don't sign clauses in your contract. You don't put clauses in a contract. But then players just won't commit to a longer-term deal. And the fee will be calculated by compensation. So in the Jack Moylan case, I think Lincoln, because of their category, it'd be two years, uh, 30 grand per year. So it's 60 grand if he, if he stays put and walks for free in November. Um, and I suppose Lincoln know they can get him for that amount then. So you pay more than that now. You try and stress a little bit more now to sweeten it for Shells to do the deal now if they can get someone in. If players refuse to commit to signing those long-term deals, then the compensation, okay, if you go to a Premier League club or a Championship club, the compensation amount will be higher. Um, and I think this is, you know, how fees could become bigger is, I suppose, if you, you might find that the younger age group the higher quality of young players who've maybe been at a club for a, a number of years, like I don't know, someone like Adam Murphy, maybe. Um, you know, he's been at Pats for quite some time now. There is a category, there's a tiered earning relative to number of years, like from 16 up and, and so on. And the level of club you're going to also dictates the compensation. So that leaves the bargaining room for maybe bigger money for players that, that are 18. And I suppose you look back in recent memories, I suppose if you think about it, there's a tiered scale to it. Gavin Bazuna went to a Premier League club, a big one, big up front. See, Andy Lyons, like Andy Lyons, went to Championship. So it wasn't bad, somewhere in between. Liam Scales, I think they got good money for that going to Celtic. A bank where it was good money for some Pats. But if you're going to League One, are you ever going to get any more than 100, 150, 200 grand? Um, 
Possibly not, because in some cases, if players run their contract down, the compens- you know, the compensation, there's a relationship there. So it's very difficult to answer John's point. I think what we need to do is grow our player pool and our base and the reputation of our young players, which means that when a Mason Melia comes along or whoever it is, the Bazunu, Evan Ferguson, if he wasn't able to sort of sneak out the back door as they managed to do it, um, you need more of a bidding war, don't you? Yeah, well, you do. You need that. And you might find that for the 18-year-olds, the fees will go up. But I'm not sure that it's going to happen with our 20, 21, 22-year-olds unless they end up signing into a really long-term deal. Now, I suppose other people, agents and people would say, well, if you paid more money to your players here and, and you weren't sure about them, but you gave them three-year deals. Like, I think there's also an element sometimes with clubs that they realise, oh, this player is good. We need to tie him down as opposed to them being tied down first and, you know, the interest happens later. But, I mean, McManus is an interesting one. I think Bowles are going to get decent money for him. He's crept under the radar a bit. Um, but, I mean, this idea, you know, that in, in some years to come we might have millions coming in for transfer fees, I, I think so much has to change before we get to that point. Um, I, just can't, I just can't see that happening. Um, in terms of other talking points, um, David Watts with a large visiting support heading to Bishop Gates on Sunday fair play to Longford uh, for not trying to cash in by upping their prices a great Pats travelling support again um, maybe Longford might regret not putting up the prices there. <laughs> who knows um, Afalabi Honky Tonk says coming good proving some Bose fans wrong any decent boozers in Galway Johnny can recommend for the banger fans to drink in on Saturday is your um, reputation in good standing Um Whatever would I recommend? Well, I like in in fairness in Galway, uh, basically the best boozers, best best city in the world. Probably my favourite would be O'Connell's on um, uh, in Air Square. But if you go sort of closer to the ground, go to um, Wood Key, go into a few of the bars there, and uh, that then you're like ten minutes walk from the ground. But I mean in Galway, basically go anywhere. Okay, um, race. You say banger. I'd say banger. Banger. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, race week around the corner. I mean, okay, so we had Jim. Could Bowes play at Parnell Park while Daily Man gets redeveloped? I mean, I couldn't see that happening, to be honest, Jim. Um, I mean, there's obviously GA access to stadiums. is complicated. But I, I am interested in Alan Hanks' question, maybe with my local hat on. With Croke Park not committing to funding led GEA stadium, is there an opportunity for the FEI to step in with government help and then use it as a multi-purpose stadium? And with other counties looking to enter the League of Ireland, would it not be a lot better use of resources? I mean, it makes perfect sense to do that. Um... But obviously, you know, there's, 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 you know, it's in relation to loud, isn't it? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, there's, that's a crazy story in itself. It's sort of off topic for us, but, um, I mean, the, the, the Peter Fitzpatrick situation, I suppose he's contributed to Eructus committees in recent memory, including football ones in the past. Um, you'd occasionally see him knocking around Oriel Park, uh, when there's an election coming up, um, but obviously, am I right in saying United Park and the Loud GA ground are practically beside each other, aren't they? Well, are they're, are they're very near each other. Well, oh, there's a big facility there. Previously, yeah, but Loud, I suppose, like they play a lot of their games out of Darver now, but they're looking to build this new stadium in the Dock area. Now, I, I mean, people should read up on this. I mean, it's extraordinary. And some of the coverage around it in recent weeks is, is actually amazing. You know, like there's obviously, there's there's red and white flags at times where you should be seeing red flags with, with some of this. I mean, in fairness to Peter Fitzpatrick, a lot of people were sort of looking at the audacity of this. And in the context of stadium building in Ireland, which is relevant to Daily Mount Park and to Finn Harps and to um, other clubs with, with, with sort of plans, the idea that they were going to get a stadium um, that without much fanfare, all of a sudden,
sudden they've got 14 mil from the immigrant investor scheme and they're going to put the rest of it together and have a 14,000 seater venue in Loud in almost no time relative to like the start of when this plan was un- unveiled. I know there's been a long-standing discussion. It, dare I say it, it was almost too good to be true. Um, and even if you look at the cost, like 25 25 million and like I mean the daily man cost daily is, absurd. is rocketing but this one I mean it's you say 14,000 if you look at it it was actually only one stand one stand with seats then an 8,000 terrace um, 25 million but then you I mean you need to read in some of the stories around the yeah the tendering process and, and, and there's a lot of um, a lot of interesting stories within that um, but I suppose a lot of people I think around Dundalk are probably going well hang on if a stadium pops up here um, you know that's that's that would be galling but in saying that Dundalk did a survey and asked fans where they would like to move and, and whether they would like to move and the majority said they would like to stay in Oriel Park and, and I actually could understand because it's a, a great location um, but it's a it's a mad story I mean I mean there's crunch meetings going on I, I do think if someone managed to get this over the line and deliver it it would be quite a feat um, but there would be a lot of other people looking and going uh, what a world we live in fell out boy has Duff made shells a better team on the pitch I don't think so to be honest I disagree I, I have to say I disagree with that I, I, I mean shells last week I mean in, in, in to balance it up uh, CMM was saying sh- shells were comfortable last week until their formation changed against Bowes and look it's everyone's it's easy to be the, the sort of the, the Monday morning quarterback on this stuff um, you know shells probably tried to shut up shop to win the game they went to a back five they took off one or two of the more creative players. And when you concede, then it looks like the wrong tactic. You know, Shells have lost five of their 24 games this season. They're extremely hard to beat in Vernon. Yeah, like the flip side debate would be, you know, did they cede the initiative to Bowes who had strong options coming off the bench? Um, but, I mean, in general terms, I think it's plain to see to me uh, that, that Shells are a well-coached side and they are better. I mean, I mean, if if... if it fell up with, I don't know, is he talking about as Duff Mitchell's better team in the pitch this season? Or is he talking about in general since they were promoted under Ian Morris? I mean, I think I think you're being a little bit harsh. As we've discussed, they're probably not great to watch. And I understand that fans of opposing teams might say, oh, they're not up to much. But I think you watch them. They're very competitive in, in all of their games. And I think they're a decent side. This will be a big uh, challenge for them now in the sense of this the investment. And they have to take it to the next level now. And they have to evolve as a team because they're a team that doesn't score very much. They're hard to beat. Um, but this is obviously the next. And it's a big test for his management now. No, it is. And I mean, like, you know, as Rolo says, what a chance of Shells will sign someone who hasn't played for Hull. And um, I do hear, I've, I've referenced that there's one or two other Hull players will be coming in. I did ask Damien Duff directly last week about the uh, the, the story, the, 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 the clip that was that was sort of pulled out the week before. And he was adamant he still has the final say over transfers, uh, but pointedly said, you know, while he is having more names put his way, through the connections they have, I think there's a consultant helping them and pushing, you know, pitching names their way. He's saying, don't forget the Irish market, and he is managing to get the likes of Sean Boyd, Mark Coyle, um, Connor Cairns tied down. Um, but I think with Shells, the interesting one is maybe over the winter, do they go for a couple of contract players around the league, high-profile ones, a couple of Rovers? I wonder. You know, that would be throwing your weight around. Um, Cotty Casey. Cotsy. Yeah, I saw that. Any ideas for a live show? I have an idea. We will rod you. I, I did. So we were doing, we were dropping some books to the charity shop the other day. I'm not going to lie. The Rod Father was saved from a cull before I'd actually read it. I've now, I've now taken it down. I've placed it on the shelf. Um, I plan to start reading it. I nearly brought it on holidays, uh, but I was traveling very light. So um, 
But I, I will get there, Cotsy. Harry Whelan, is there any match that could make the cup final a sellout? Good question. I think it's as much marketing as well. Like, I mean, if you... Yeah, what uh, game will get you closer? Um, at the moment, so what would it be? Like, um, Shamrock Rovers and... Cork City maybe something like that I, I don't know I'm not sure of a region I mean Derry brought a huge crowd last year I mean Bowes and Pats got to 37 like I think a combination of the Bowes Rovers Bowes Rovers actually Bowes, maybe Bowes Rovers or, or even Bowes and Pats again or even Rovers and Pats I think you could get over 40 with proper marketing of it Did you see the crowd for the All-Ireland semi-final on Sunday yeah like, and in terms of regional clubs I think Derry seemed to be revived I take your point about Cork Waterford Dundalk I think they have a ceiling in certain cases because they've been in so many finals in the Aviva in the case of Dundalk and Cork I think you probably are looking at those those Dublin clubs um, yeah Andy McNulty it's that time of the year where I claim amateur teams are going all the way hopefully we see a couple of cup sets over the next couple of rounds I mean this is if we look at the weekend I mean the FA Cup generally I mean let's just run through all the games while we're here you know we've got Treaty and Cork um, we've got Bohemians against Shelburne uh, draw the Sligo Rovers Kilbarrick at home to Finn Harps and they haven't moved the game um, so that could be a shout Wexford at home to Avondale Kerry FC Ringmatten I think Garrod Marcy's involved at Ringmatten um, and that could be one of the bottom team in the first division Ringmatten will probably fancy that UCD Cove Lucan um, a lot of big names at Lucan some Pat CY so we'll talk about them whoever gets through Lucan playing at 11 o'clock as well you could have a feast there on, on the uh, Saturday Lucan playing at 11 then um any, are we any other any other Dublin games at all? Actually, Cockhill Celtic in in Donegal against Bray, Gory Rangers, Rockmount again. We have an non-league team through Galway United, banger. Um, I think Galway will be fine. Michaels against Waterford. I think Waterford will be fine. Portlaoise Scaries then on Sunday. Dundalk Shamrock Rovers, Derry Atlow, and Longford St Pat. There's actually some really good new names like Portlaoise, Gory, and all teams that probably haven't played in years, if if at all, in the cup. I'm not sure about Portlaoise, but um, yeah, the. Kilbarrick and Harps and I think Wexford sorry Kilbarrick Harps Wexford Avondale not so sure Kerry FC Ringmat and I think Ringmat and Kilbarrick may, maybe maybe the two teams to watch um, in terms of shocks we should there, see. There, there are like just in terms of the likes of Go United though there are a lot of clubs who are thinking you know we're going to get Dundalk Shamrock Rovers out we're going to get Shells or Bows out uh, we have a real chance here you could fluke your way almost into a semi-final draw or a Sligo Rovers both out so um, serious Premier Division teams going to be knocked out here and meanwhile a lot of teams are going to canter into the next round and then you're waiting on the next draw, Dan. You're like, Jesus, we could be in the next eight here without even thinking, the last eight without thinking. And yeah, I, I, I certainly hope that anyway, because from the going out perspective, had a lot of terrible draws in recent years. Rovers away, for example. Yeah, no, it's definitely going to open up. And I suppose Galway promotion isn't going to be a distraction because you'd imagine it's going to be in the bag at a certain point. So Brian White thoughts on Matt Healy leaving Cork for a second tier club in Belgium. I suppose he left Ipswich rather than Cork. Um, but um, look, yeah, there's there's options opening up, and it's. I'd imagine wages and opportunities that I'm sure was a very competitive offer. Bohemian villain, any Grant's agent nearly contender for player of the month? I'm not sure that was agent-driven stuff, some of the noise around Danny Grant, but we, we Gary Cronin did allude to the fact that um, all wasn't lost, and, and certainly um, I think some elements to that speculation, um, the, the in-the-know accounts around Pat's offers and stuff. And look, it was good round. I actually heard that from some people involved in football, but um, I think when it came to the crunch... 
Um, I don't think it's a case that Bo suddenly found a load of money down the back of the couch or something to make it happen. Um, I, I think that, you know, I don't think that was the situation. Um, Bobby Harper had a point about European coefficient. There was an argument for weighted point systems based on the rank of team you play against. Uh, I, I just think that's too complicated. To, 55 nations, different teams qualifying. It's just going to be impossible to, to balance that. The system they have now is flawed, but probably still, yeah probably the best version of it maybe there could be tweaks around elements of the seeding um jim uh, joe was asking from sligo um sligo rovers fan five subs are they here to stay because there's nothing more designed to maintain the gap between the wealthier clubs and the rest in this rule that's true i mean it slipped in under COVID. the other thing you would say now would, would fix your congestion in the league and player welfare i think there probably is an argument for it um but there's no doubt that it favors the bigger clubs but I think you, you could hear it spun the other way if we're going to still have Friday Monday fixtures and a lot of big games at certain times I, admittedly that's a lot of clubs in Europe and stuff the ability to get extra subs and even with the younger players in the league to get minutes I, I, I think it probably snuck in through the back door but I do take the point that it favours the, the bigger squads and there was a reference to has it been a quicker red card than Bastian Harry's for Longford at the Jesus like where, I mean what a career this man has had and I don't mean that in the nicest possible way no, you do sort of, um, you know, this happens. Um, we had a few comments about Jonathan Afalabi's uh, treatment, Declan Devine talking about that. Um, I, I feel like I need to really watch Afalabi only in games to give a read on that. I know people are asking us um, about that question. I'd like to consider it and come back to it again. Thomas Tormey was asking, what are we in a sign of low standard? Were last week's bad results a consequence of the fashion for teams passing the ball around their own half? I do take that point. I think, again, that we've spoken earlier about the European games, I think people are in danger of reading too much into you know, the, the away teams last Thursday. They didn't need to go and score in the case of Dundalk and Derry. But it's true, like some nice possession that maybe serves you well when you play against better teams to get a foothold in the game but maybe find it harder against the teams you're bent to win you're just a little bit they sit in like because Irish times Irish teams are generally the ones sitting in and in this instance it's maybe the other way around for some of those teams and that that's a bit of a contrast and, and, and there possibly might be might be something in that but I point out last year I mean Sligo Rovers were dreadful against Bala you know Pats okay it was a great scalp to beat Murrah but Murrah you know was ascending off and stuff but those teams really raised their level when they went up around and, and I think that that's just an important point to, to make I I, I'm not. I'm not going to jump the gun after like it's half time in these games. Um, it is a concern. I think the the the, the second legs will be quite uh, significant in terms of creating chances because definitely the four first legs lack of chances than in the games. I thought Pats obviously were lucky, but just getting back to Afalabi, I have to say I do love the fact that he's gone on this goal scoring run because you're like, where is this lad's career going if he's not going to score goals in the League of Ireland? Considered better than some of the Irish internationals at one point, and um, great signing from both in fairness. Yeah. No, we haven't heard from Owen Rock in a while, our Rafa Labby critic, but we did give him a prize. Uh, listen, we need to go in and talk to some Pats people, so last two ones quickly. Gerard Ryan, what are your thoughts on the FA hoping to link up with Sky Sports in the future to show LOI matches? Um, yeah. Actually, I'm, how close was it then? I know you were on the beat that time. Is, yeah, well, I, I mean, I think, I'm not even sure what was discussed was strictly going to be on the channels. I might have been getting the app placed as well, somewhere within the Skybox system, but um, we'll see. I think... Um, there's obviously a relationship there for the women's team, so it could be one uh, for the future. Shane Kennedy, what can we do to stop goalkeepers faking injury to allow managers to get tactics and teams? It's funny, I see Brian Martin did it in, in the Pharaohs. Um, again, maybe look at you, might have been injured. There's going to be a boy-cried-wolf situation here where one of these keepers gets badly injured and everyone's like, it's a tactic. Um, it, let's be honest, it's cleverly playing the system and knowing you have to get the game stopped. Um, it's gamesmanship. You know, Managers probably want teams to do it. Um, 
it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I don't know how you can actually stop it other than say, you know, I want as a proof that you are injured. Um, yeah, I don't think there's any way there's any way around it. But um, let's let's leave the mailbag for now, and we will go and catch up with Chris Forrester, who started off by reflecting on his first St Patrick's athletic memory in Europe. <laughs> Do you remember your first Pats game in Europe, actually? Yeah, speaking with Johnny there, I think I said it was IBV, team from Iceland. Um, I think we progressed through that round, I'm not too sure. It's, it's, what, I think you did, ago. yeah. They, it's, like, what, what, what do you enjoy about it? Because, obviously, it's different. Yeah, it's very different. You know, going to, you go to some mad old places. I think we played in a team Cherokee Brzeg in Bosnia. We landed in Croatia, drove all along the coastline of Croatia, most beautiful scenery you'll ever see. Took a sharp right on a border somewhere and ended up in a crazy spot. Place was so bad. Um, yeah, just stuff like that is a bit mad. Um, going to a place that you probably would never go to in your life anyway. Um, and then the game's always good, there's always good atmospheres and stuff like that. So Rocky, was that, did Christy Fagan score the winner in the home leg here, I think, or something like that? Yeah. I vaguely recollect that. header down from Connor Kennett, I think. And I think it was the actual time, took his top off, looked great. I think actually footage emerged of me celebrating that goal from Dodge there recently on social media. I think that might be the goal that he's referring yeah. to. But I'm just thinking like Legia Warsaw like was obviously a great performance and then the second leg was a downer. I mean, last year Sophia was brilliant. Like you've had some some good moments across the way. It's just yeah. in some cases just getting that two-legged job done, if you know what I mean. Like <laughs> yeah. There has been some great near misses along the way. Yeah, like that leggy game. We were one and off, I think, for the whole game, and then they scored last minute. It just kind of set sets the result, makes the result look a bit worse than it was. Um, and then, obviously, they came to play the mentality. I think they beat us 4 or 5 nil. But, like you said, first legs are always good because you're going into it, and they kind of probably underestimate you a bit. I think leggy probably did that with us. Um, and then obviously they, I think they played a couple of our players that they were arrested for the second leg and then battered us. But um, now you come up against some great players and all that, so it'll just be great. Because I mean, you mentioned I think you travelled away with Bose as a kid and you probably remember what that's like. And now you're probably in this situation where I'm just thinking you've got like Mason Melia there last week, he's what, like 15? Um, even the likes of Adam Murphy and, and Sam is still like only 17. I don't know, he's yeah. played around 100 games or something at this stage. But do you see in their eyes like the sense of this is new and this is yeah, exciting? The excitement of it. And you know, I kind of, as an older head now, I kind of try to live my life through them sometimes and you know, kind of feed off their excitement. Um, it's great, you're 15 years of age, travelling away to uh, Europa Conference League qualifying game is, is amazing for anybody, especially at 15, it's, it's, it's great. Um, so yeah, I kind of try to live my life through them a little bit, uh, with their youthfulness and their, obviously their excitement for it. I still have a bit of excitement for it myself. That way. must be mad though in the old age, because like Keith Ward was saying, looking at these lads coming into training and almost learning off them but like it, it must have just passed you by it passes so quickly because yeah. you're still a kid at heart I guess like yeah and you couldn't tell me when I was 20 years of age that oh, but this will pass me by quickly because I wouldn't have believed you or whatever age even at 15 um, and you don't and, and you, all of a sudden you're 30 years of age and you're like Jesus that went quick um, so yeah it's a, it's a message I try to always give to the younger lads just enjoy every moment of it like myself I probably got caught up in a lot of shit Oh shit, so I'm not that's, that's all right. No, no, we're <laughs> yeah, all good. A lot yeah. of stuff that, you know, 
kind of hindered my career and you know when I should have been just out there enjoying it. Well, Stephen O'Donnell said, "Remember when you when you when he took over? You're you're still you're at your prime. You're 27 or whatever. Like, what what was that like when you come back and you're people were actually half doubting you? Like, is this the Chris Forrester of old? Yeah, no, that that was fine, and they they all well were in the rights to do that because I wasn't performing. I wasn't the same player. I don't think I, I am the same player as the one that went away either. I'm I'm a different kind of player now. Um, but yeah, no, I feel like coming into good years." Um, still have a lot to offer I feel to the club and stuff like that so uh, yeah there's still life in the old dog when you say you got caught up in a lot of shit what are you, what are you talking about there and I'm just getting like f- like it's only a game of football at the end of the day realistically and I know it affects a lot of people's lives and stuff like that but at the end of the day you're going out to do your best and if your best isn't good enough I think that's that's the bottom line it's just that's where it has to stop you can't be carrying it home with you and you know letting things get on top of you opinions stuff like that and that's why I try to pass on to a couple of the younger boys now. And um, that's it's not to be all and end all, you know. Treat it as it is, respect it, and give give it your all in everything that you do, I suppose. But if that's not enough, it's not enough. That's that's grand. Is that part of experience, even not bringing it home with you all the time? Because I know you've spoken before about yeah. sort of anxieties and and situations you went through, and I know part of that was you were away in England and all that came with that. I mean, is is that part of life experience that yes this of course this matters and of course you're annoyed if you play badly and you're annoyed if the team plays badly but there's still a part of you that puts it in a little bit of perspective if you know what I mean well nowadays I can I can totally say yes when I was a kid and stuff I, I carried every every bad pass everything kind of every bad decision with me um, but like you said through life your experiences you realise that you can't be doing that and it's not the way to to be living. Once you treat the game with respect and I think you you want to do your best and you, you put the effort in, I think that's all you can really ask for. Do you still love football as much as you did when you were a kid? No. No, definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> it's a job now. No, I'm only joking. It's not. I do love it. Um, I wouldn't say I love it as much as a kid because, you know, when you're a kid you had all these aspirations of doing wonderful things in the game and, you know, I've done pr- some pretty good things in the game but when you get to a certain age you just want to, you know, not level out, I suppose, but you want to k- maintain a good performance week in, week out, and no, so I'll say probably no. I don't know. Yeah, no, but it's but it's that's the thing. It becomes no matter what you say, it probably does become a job. Like yeah, it's absolutely. not. I know you didn't. You didn't play eleven aside football for ages, or you were more sort of, you know, relaxed. You're the street footballer, as people would say. But you know, it gets to the stage where it's your income. It's a, it's a different yeah, business, isn't it? Yeah, and you have a family to provide for. You have bills to pay, so it does become different. Um. But no, the love is still there. The love will always be there for the game. I don't think I'll ever retire. In my mind, I'll never retire. Um, but you're right, it, it does become a job. And, you know, it's... I don't know, it's, it's a hard one to explain because I'll always love it, but it is a job at the end of the day. Mm. It's just knowing when to switch off from it is part of the thing as well, too, I yeah, guess. Yeah, and I think with the life... Ex- like you speak about life experience, you kind of get to a stage where you, you can switch off from it. Like, I go home now and I'll play with the kids or I'll switch off to wherever. Um, whereas I probably didn't have that back in the day where I was like... I brought it home and I was sitting there just thinking about it all the time. So. Like, uh, Sean Grover's goal with a lot of experience in Europe and I was saying before the game last weekend, he's Pat's just 
I'm with young players here, like in fairness, you gotta do, what, what do you what do you make of those? I suppose the three lads in particular would be Curtis Murphy, um Melia and obviously the kid who's back in the <coughs> field as well, who's still young, sorry, whose name yeah. escapes me. Ben McCormick as well. So what have they got as do, did you admire as well John Daly? John Daly's thrown these kids in the big game away in Europe. Yeah, and I think that's part of why he has been successful in, these, in the short amount of time because he's given everybody a chance. Um if the lads are capable and they're putting in the work, they'll they'll get a chance and you know, Ben's a perfect example of that, uh, of that for me. Like I said, he was in the dark for a lot of a lot of the months that he was here, and, and he's come in. He's done well now, so I think that's part of why John's been successful in, in this short period of time, and I think we will continue to be successful in this job because everyone everyone knows they'll they'll get a chance if if you put in the work. He's made a difference, obviously, John. Yeah, massively. I think it's just it's put a bit of life into everybody. You know, before Tim. Um, Tim left, everyone was kind of a bit down and the results weren't really going well. Um, John's come in, gave everyone a lift and you know it's it's not just been a short period of a lift, it's everyone's on a a good steady progress I think. Can I just ask those, what are those, what are the attributes of those young lads as well, there's been a lot of chat about I, I suppose, well nearly them all at this stage. Yeah, that, well Mason, <laughs> I was measuring my hand at Mason's the other day, he's 50, I'm double his age, he has twice the size of his hand than me, I think he's a size 11, um, he's a unit at that age, crazy like, um, good, a lot of good attributes, real strong, powerful, um, Adam Murphy, absolute unit as well, perfect physique. Um, like yourself. Yeah, <laughs> good technically. Um, and then Sam Cordes, it's not much you can say about Sam that hasn't already been said. He's he's outstanding. He will have a great career. Um, he's got a great head on his shoulders as well. And then little Benji. Benji's a good young player. Um, he's a funny old chap. He's great to have in the dressing room as well, Ben. Um, he's a lot of good attributes as well. Are, are you the advice-giving type? You know, like, no, but if they, if, they, if they have interest and they do, and I know there's, there's obviously going to be, you know, transfer talk and all of that, would you... Would you just leave them at it or would you ah, give advice you know a, it's a delicate one like you can't be going in as if you know it all like obviously i have some experience in it Um i think there's players in there like Alan Doyle and stuff that he could go to be a bit better than that at that than me um but no if they, obviously i'm dealing i think the the more more pleasing thing for me is they know that i'm there if they need the advice rather than me kind of forcing my opinion on them or forcing this whatever on them um so yeah, I think they know that that would be there as a as a kind of shoulder. Just, just finally, I suppose, or unless I mean Johnny might have something more, but I'm just thinking like the, the, across your time at Pats, you know, and even when you were challenging for leagues, sometimes there'd be like 1,200 people in the ground here, or yeah. 1,500 people in the ground, and if the season was going bad that that year, you were nearly relegated. Like probably, you know, <laughs> le, le, yeah, you know, no. less than that. And now you see, like, there's, I think there's 500 fans going to Longford on, on Sunday. They'll probably have to let more in, I'd say. Um, these 5,000 crowds here, even when you were struggling earlier this season. Can you get your head around that from, from the perspective of someone who's, who's been here through successful teams and yet crowds were nothing like this? Yeah, and I was only saying a couple of the younger boys, like, this wasn't, this wasn't always the way it was here, you know. If you lose, if you, not, if you lose now, the fans will still come back in. Whereas back in the day, you you lose one or two and you know attendance will probably drop by 50-60% and um, we're still here every week now and it's, it's been it's really been great as as a club and as a player of the club I think it's great to see the fans will back you no matter what and um, so I think it's given everybody a lift and like you said five, 500 odd or 
couple of, could be even more going down to Longford that just gives us a great boost as well. And I suppose, like, I, I guess it's only human nature as a player. Like, if you if you're having a bad run and the crowd's bad and that can just become a slump you know everyone yeah. can like does this matter like it becomes a thing whereas if you're going out in front of a full house well this matters like this is a big game if you know what I mean yeah and I came across someone speaking about a similar kind of topic this way it's every game is treated as a big game now it's not as if you know it could be UCD it could be Rovers anybody any game in between and um, they're all treated as a big games now for the fans and you know it's a packed house every week which is great and as a player you know you can get a bit up and down if you're Playing against you today, just a couple of hundred here, and playing against Rovers, just a couple of thousand. You can kind of get yourself caught in yeah. between. Um, whereas every game, I think, has been treated with, treated as a proper, proper game, and you know every game kind of means something. So yeah, we'll finish. With your, you're going back to Lansdowne Road. Where you got, I suppose, one of your more celebrated goals. But before that, um, you got to play better Thursday night than you did in the away leg, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I've been doing work this week on the training ground to kind of put put that right. Um, as as players, we we didn't do enough on on the day last week. Um, we know that. You know, we're not disrespecting them in any way, thinking that we can go out here and easily win the game. Um, we know what challenges we face, and um, you know, as a as as a team and as players, I think we just need to put a better foot uh, foot forward, and you know. Do better than, than last week. Just lastly, was there was there any concern? There was one goal from the League of Ireland teams in Europe. Not that many chances created over the four games, and people are putting two and two together and saying, "Oh, we play too much pretty football." You're not having it. Oh, uh, just stop. The people on Twitter just love a bit of doom and gloom. They actually do, yeah. That's why I used to be on. Leagues going backwards or whatever. Um, obviously, it, it wasn't a great week in terms of for the league in, in Europe. But I think three out of four teams played away, and now every game's up in the balance. I don't know Chris Forrester well, Dan, but uh, there's just uh, something about his smile and the, the kind of childish nature of the way he plays at times. He, he just plays like a kid on the street, the street footballer, um, joint top scorer in the league as well. As we mentioned, he's on the verge of closing in on the record. Uh, Pat's um, attendance, uh, attendances in Europe as well. And yeah, one sense is he... Appearances. Appearances. Appearances are on your mind because yeah. we're talking about them. One... Yeah. Um, he got that great goal last year against Moore. I was at that game, and maybe you know, maybe he'll have a a, ro- a role as well. Obviously, Thursday night, I I watched um I watched the game obviously on the big screen in in Rascals or sponsors or whatever. There were, it wasn't it was, it, a lot of the Pats fans there had kind of almost given up by the time um Mark Doyle scored. It was a it was a poor performance by Pats, but a two one result in Europe not playing well, they take that no excuses now. Yeah, and no, that's it. I mean, look, you know we've. We touched on it a bit in the mailbag around some of the displays, you know, last week. And, and yeah, I mean, they were dreadful. They couldn't play any worse, but they're still alive. And I think, you know, they were going in, both Patson and Dog hadn't, they found research for their opponents tricky, whereas you could actually, and, and, and I mean, very on Torch Avenue. I mean, this is the thing. We're talking about like attack, attacking options in the league. And, but clearly our teams are, are, are mid season and you can do your homework. And it was striking, you know, um, Doodland didn't know what to do when Mulraney got the ball. Torshavin double trebled up and Michael Duffy. Um, you know, Dundalk probably again, Hooban was sort of well enough marshal, like they actually have experienced enough defenders, um, the Magpies. So um you have to find other ways to to win. But I do think Pats and Dundalk in particular 
would play at a much higher intensity at home. And I think they didn't do that away for various reasons. You know, the conditions was was one. But um, it's funny, like, you know, Chris Forrester is sort of talking there about the Twitter overreaction to last week. And <laughs> we're now, now like, you know, the, it's Twitter's hopping now with, with Shamrock Rovers takes, you know, and, and even just, you know, popped out something about, you know, just that we were recording and uh, Rovers, the PSG of, of Ireland and um, just various comments about, you know, what type of pressure might people even come under now, you know, and, and uh, look, you know, was an element of complacency involved, I don't know. But I, I do think there'll be no complacency from the teams this Thursday. I think it's 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 still it's still hard for League of Ireland teams to be favourites. I mean, we could play back us now talking about the draw and it could all sound very silly. Um, and, I, and I suppose we talk about our teams, you know, they raise their games sometimes very well going to better arenas. I mean, it's actually a weird reflection of where the league is at at the moment that I'd say all four clubs, I'm not sure the official attendance tonight actually in Iceland, but all four clubs in their away games had bigger support than the home ties. That's right. Um, yeah, that which, is you know, pretty much, maybe not to Derry maybe one not tonight. Yeah, maybe not to minute, but actually, you know, like not a million miles, certainly the case with Dundalk and, and um, Pats in terms of presence. I'm not sure maybe yeah. about numbers, but you know what I'm saying. I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to. And, and the other way around is going to be like it's very different type of games. And there's a pressure with that. Like they're all going to be playing at home with hardly any away fans there. And you see Derry at times struggling to break teams down who sit in against them. And, um, but, but I really feel um, that all, all the teams on Thursday will, will do better. Yeah, so, you know, Stephen O'Donnell now bringing Dundalk into Europe. Um, this is quite simply just, they have to, this is a tie that there are no excuses here. Same with Derry City, they're playing a team, the Faroe Islands. We're not going to get all like Scottish uh, tabloid on this now against Minnows or whatever, but they just have to get the job done. For Pats, it's a little bit more complex. Um, Dudeland, are the see the tie I know they're out of their season but in fairness they're, they're a competent enough team and they're obviously a goal up um, I still fancy I do fancy the three teams go through um, I probably fancied Rovers as well I did fancy Rovers uh, before the first leg obviously tonight they did, did, did work to do but I, I do fancy the three Irish teams get through and we'll see what happens uh, you know later on but um, yeah I mean the, yeah. The, one, the one thing Dan Rovers have scored one goal in their last four games that was a VAR given penalty none of the League of Ireland's uh, side scored bar pats in the last minute um, so there haven't been a lot of goals so let's see what happens this week yeah look I watched every minute of the four games last week and God help the you tonight, the one tonight um, and like I'd be very confident that the Dock and Derry would go through I'd, mm. it would be let's be honest talking about you know being nice to people I think they would deservedly be hammered either of them if they went out I think Pat's you know they've like they put themselves in a, in a position to have a chance. I still think Pat should be capable of doing it. Um, and the mad thing is they've such a great chance that they get through in terms of the seeding mm. position they take. They play a team from Malta or Glentoran, so you know it's a it's a great opportunity. Before I mean we've got a couple of things to get through before we finish. I mean one thing I want to mention briefly because sometimes we talk about sign-ins here. It's really slipped under the radar. Like uh, I see Sligo Rovers releasing Bogdan Vastuk, who um, previously uh, would have played very well against League of Ireland sides with Europe, you know, played well against League of Ireland side in Europe and part of the thing that puts you on the map. And, uh, oh my God, like this must be one of the worst signings in League of Ireland history. Um, so, sometimes Stiger Rovers feel they're they're obviously excluded on these shows and out of sight, out of mind. And maybe they're right. Like maybe if this was a Dublin club, one of these players, we'd be, we'd be noticing it more. But they, they gave this guy, a, a, I think, a two-year deal. There was a bit of a fee and, and a big wage involved. Um, are certainly a considerable outlay and they've had to release him by mutual consent. I remember he came on in Derry and missed that sitter and you're like, oh my God. Um, 
but it does seem like one of the uh, one of the worst deals in League of Ireland history. Um, must be plenty of them now, yeah. Oh, I think this, this would be money involved. Would, to be fair, this would be well up there. Um, but anyway, they brought in the guy, um, the the the, the goal scorer for Portugal when they won the European Championship. Yeah. Uh, Pedro Correa. So, um, I mean, like Radoslavic, uh, I mean, I'm, I mean, I've, I've mangled that, but the Fair Islands player um, has found a little bit of form. Um, and look, Max Mata in his second season, you know, is, is doing even better than his first. So, like, there's been some between Liam Buckley and, and you know, John Russell, like, you know, it's not as if, you know, all their recruitment overseas has been bad, not the case, but Jesus, the Vastuk one, they've got badly, uh, They've got badly burned, and I, I need to work on my Faroese pronunciations next week. Or he's not quite of um, there's a his surname is is, is taken from a another part of the world, I think. But um, yeah, but anyway, a we big, need to wrap up. Um, big win over Cork to the six yeah, point gap as well. It was, like, it was yeah, obviously no. key. Um, so Sligo Rovers now are yeah to give them a little bit of a cushion. Just in relation to um last week's winner, Dan. Um, we did have your question was in relation to a player who struggled a little bit actually since he's moved to Britain. Yes, it was the, the the last time an Irish team played in Luxembourg and, and beat a, a club side over there. Um, who was the goal scorer? And that was Ross Tierney, um, for Bose. And the quiz or the competition winner, the guided tour of rascals, um, that is Connor Hayes. Um, so congratulations to Connor, and uh, yeah, enjoy your, enjoy your, uh, enjoy your 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 turn. And this week's question is, I suppose it's on a European theme for everyone. Um, since and this is a bit like a homework thing. Have you been reading my work this week? It's kind of a selfish, um, yeah. Selfish work. I, did, I did refer to this in a piece, but um, since two thousand and eleven, um, there's only one Irish side that has won their first Champions League round tie, um, but not made group stage football that year. That's how important this game is. If you generally win that first round tie, uh, you make the group stages. Um, there's only one Irish team. That that didn't happen with uh, what was the club and what was the year, um. So, um, yeah, that that's this week's question. So, um, try and think of Irish Champions League wins in uh in recent memory, and uh, yeah, that's the that will be this week's question. So I don't know, have we, have we any in the in the style of Jerry's final thoughts, Johnny? Have we any of uh, Johnny's final thoughts here? No, we're recording this. It's gone past 11 o'clock now. I want to watch the, the rest of the Rose Dugdale uh, show, which I've been watching before. Uh, what, what's that? The um, the the Harris and the Heist um, League of Ireland story, really complete madness, signing this kind of bogey from uh, from England who ends up like basically stealing a load of uh, artwork. A lot of people will be familiar with what I'm talking about. Did I, did I <laughs> well, mention, I Dan, the, the coffee and inchy core on the show earlier? I don't know if I did. No, you didn't, no. Yeah, no. it did remind me of Iceland because the, this, um, I mean, fair enough, it was a filter coffee, but like I didn't look at the price for it. I said, I said like this is an inchy core in a coffee shop in inchy core. I asked for a filter coffee. It cost me eight euro, right? So it felt mm-hmm. like we're actually edging towards Iceland prices. Um, but in any way, uh, it was a victory for Iceland over Ireland today. And yeah, I'll be in inchy core uh, for Pat's. On, uh, yeah, um, I'll be in Dundalk. One last thing I should say: we have to do our mailbag winner as well. I'm going to go for Harry Quillen. Um, is there a matchup that can make the cup final a seller? Because I like I like those questions that provoke a bit yeah. of debate. So uh, I, I'm going to go for Harry Whelan with that. And yeah, I'm at Dundalk on Thursday, Bow Shells on Friday. We didn't really get into that, but we'll we'll have a lot of that to um to pour through next week. A full round of cup fixtures and Dundalk Rovers as well on Sunday, and there's a lot of angles to that. I mean, Rovers will have a good break 
to before it and even after it, they're playing in the Conference League next week. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've, they've, they're, Dundalk are probably still playing them at an okay time. So um, yeah, that, there's, there's a lot to discuss and we'll be back next week to do just that. Thank you.